Welcome back for episode 36 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 23rd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has, has been said has the voice of a flower and also can do a lot of things on an iPhone, Justin Sane 0516. Evening all. Next up is the third member of our merry little band and a a, a growing musician, our friendly neighborhood spokesman for Payin, Steeman Willie Beeman. Hey, be with you, my children. <laughs> so the topic of today's chat is going to be over the topic of the rise of guardians. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick notes. Our last chat, we took a look at the lore of the Taken. If you missed that and have any interest in a really entertaining conversation, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we usually get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. We are going to actually be making a slight change to the layout of the polls and episodes this weekend. Instead of stopping the Destiny discussion to chat about extra lore, we're going to be running a month-long extra lore chat alongside the weekly Destiny one. This is going to allow us to continue providing everyone views of game lore outside of Destiny while not interrupting the flow of Destiny discussions, which a lot of the feedback actually requested. So thank you to everyone who sent in their thoughts on that, and thank you to our chat over on Band and Discord for kind of helping square away that format of those chats. And our next chat next week is going to be a discussion on the concept of death and resurrection within the world of Destiny. So with all that, let's go ahead and dive into the lore around the rise of our Guardians. Guardian classes, Guardians. Legends are carved across history by the brave. Guardians are warriors forged in the traveler's light, a final hope in a universe falling into darkness. Chosen from the dead by the traveler's ghosts, guardians are those few able to wield the light as a weapon. For centuries, they have defended the city, but that defense cannot hold forever. Now, with the darkness rising again, the time has come to retake our lost worlds. The guardians who lead the way will save humanity and become legend. That's just kind of like the broad overview of what a guardian is yeah. and, and what the state of the game is when you enter vanilla, I believe. Yes. And I mean, so I guess I guess we really should also probably warn people when we talk about the rise of guardians, um, you know, we're talking about the creation of guardians and surprising. Well, I guess not really surprisingly. <laughs> unsurprisingly as with most of the lore of destiny there's not actually a lot of information um 
you know, there's bits and pieces that it's kind of like drawing a giant connect the dots picture, which makes me really nervous because if you get one line out of place, if you've ever done that, it makes it all, it screws it all up. I think we all have at some point. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you connect, you connect one to 10 instead of one to two and it's just, it's done. It's done. Turns your, turns your duck into a llama Mm -hmm. or worse. Um, but so that's going to be kind of the thing with this episode in particular too, is we're, we're going to be reading cards. We have, we have a good number of cards that we'll be reading, but a lot of it's kind of reading between the lines almost. I mean, would you guys, that's kind of where the chat was too. It kind of, they were kind of like, okay, well you talk about this, but (laughs) the connection here is, you know, that. And so, I mean, would you guys agree that more of the information is between the lines with this particular topic. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was not cut and dry. Definitely not cut and dry. So, and, and so I'll TLDR this card on the fly with no show note for it right now. Um, the guardian abilities card, which has a quote, there is a light in you, which no darkness can hide. And, and pretty much what it's saying is that the guardians are special because not only do they have the gift of the traveler's light, but they can use it as a weapon. They can use the energies to as power, which obviously civilians can't do. And um, they talk about how the Titans, they use it as a force. You know, they're strict discipline, practice a lot. Hunters are more free roaming. They explore more often. They they're more the the survivors out in the wild. And then you have the warlocks who study the light and everything in between, um, which does include on the opposite end of the spectrum, the deep. So every different subclass has its different way of understanding and using the light to its advantage, or every class for that matter. But at the same time, we have learned through our experiences and destiny that not all Titans are big, stupid, punch that in the face monsters, you know, not all warlocks overthink things. Some of them will shoot first and ask questions later. And, uh, some hunters, no, no, the things about hunters are pretty much true. So. I was waiting for it. I was just waiting for it. And I was like, come was, on, you can do it. Got, you can do it. nothing on that. They pretty much <laughs> nail hunters on the head. So. Well, and I know, like, you know, we, we definitely talk about the archetypes of the classes in the, because we've done the episodes on each class. You know, we, we've delved into these pretty, pretty far in both the chat and within those episodes themselves. So, I don't want to get stuck on the classes, but I think it's important to, you know, I think what the bigger classification is here is that the distinction that guardians not only have been blessed with the light, but they actually can wield it like a weapon because everyone was kind of touched by the traveler. Like, you know, it's, it, they, they were all, um, we know that during the golden age, you know, like for example, Hold human, on, I figured it out. I figured it out. Some hunters aren't brave and love to explore. Some of them, when the going gets tough, they freaking dip out on everybody else because they can't handle it. You, Some should, you should leave Pancake alone. Easy. 
<laughs> ease up, bro. That's my namesake. I'm just saying. Hunters are depicted as brave and loving to explore. That guy bolted. I'm I'm going to leave it at that. He explored the exit. Just, <laughs> just let it go. It's not our fault that Kabir didn't have good survival instincts. It was – who was drinking freaking brine? It's not our fault. <laughs> Willie did this, not me, not now, not this time. Alone. This is Willie. You leave the beer alone. Okay, all right, but, moving on. But what I mean is, like, so it we know crazy. that we know that during the golden age, right? Humanity was gifted with the light. Um, you know, for example, human lifespan like tripled. You know, we we became more intelligent. We our technology just took off. The Traveler sparked all that. Now, the Traveler's not responsible for that. That was all human, like, human ingenuity built up the technology and stuff like that. But the Traveler, um, like, opened our perceptions to the irreality of light, is the way it's described. You know, in, in you know, when, like, Eris One, they talk about how they watch the end of hu- the era of human self-sustainability. And it wasn't a... It wasn't a bad thing necessarily, but it was a change. And so the Guardians, or as you know, they were originally called the Risen, which we're going to get into later, they, they were the weaponized form of what the Traveler had created in humanity during the Golden Age. They were, the Guardians were the response to the attack that the Traveler had endured and I'm, we're not going to go into that attack because that's a huge debate on oh, yeah. itself. Yeah. But I think where you were really kind of – or at least where I thought you were trying to go is the, the fact that they can wield the light is actually a predisposition. It's not that he said, oh, you, you're going to be a you're going to be a storm caller. There mm-hmm. you go. Well, be because, because the subclasses um, – the subclasses seem to be more um, – you know, we we've talked about oh man, we've talked about this so much. The the subclasses are a a specific philosophical approach to the manifestation of the light within the class itself, mm-hmm. which is a psychological predisposition ah, predisposition towards the manifestation of the light. So like you have the class that's kind of like your mental which this card, the abilities card, seems to be getting to, like, you know, the Titans, they understand it as a force. Hunters are more about exploration, and warlocks are more about studying. And those are very, very broad archetypes. And they're, and they're not. They're not all true, which is stan- it's standard for an archetype. An archetype's not necessarily all true. It's a stereotype. Yeah. But I think, I think we get kind of... Right, yeah, we right. get kind of chicken and egg with it, but I think you could... A lot of people would say Rezel was always going to be a Titan. No, and no, no. I think you, you could yes. flip that and you could say a Titan is Rezel. You know, like right. Well, I mean, he just embodies what it is. Well, and you're you're hitting on a you know you're hitting on like a Jungian like from a psychoanalysis yeah. standpoint. That's a Jungian theory. Is like there is not a so the the thing that you have to put aside here is that when you talk about archetypes and stereotypes that those you those words usually have a negative connotation you know like you don't want to stereotype people you don't want to put them in a box or whatever like that and the thing is is in a in a true stereotype or a true archetype that's actually not the point 
the point is to put a a border around an idea so that we can begin to examine it and analyze it and become to understand it at a better you know a better light that's the entire point of stereotyping groups of anything it's to cluster them into similarities so that we can see yeah. and learn more about them and, and manageable so like, groups yeah exactly so when you when you say you know Rezel, for example we're going to get into his into his uh his explanation here later but yeah you're right Rezel is the true embodiment of a titan right but you're you're also correct in the sense that that is a chicken and egg argument because he is a titan it's just his personality it's not a question yeah. of were was he destined well, to be a titan not necessarily he you're just mixing is. personality with mentality well you know? i mean it's the same <clears throat> like, thing in this regard I don't think so. Like, all right, let, I'll give you a good example right here. We have Waning and Kabir. Waning gave people dents on their armor because she was hugging them, because that's who she was. She was full of love, full of life. She still had the mentality that the light should be used as a force. You know, right. be as strong as you can be. Then you have Kabir. Once again, he still believes use the light as a force. Be as strong as you can be, but he was the legionless. He didn't really care about. I don't think he cared about anybody that was on that mission with him. He just. Well, I mean, I would disagree on that point. He cared enough to sacrifice himself. Yeah, he sacrificed himself for the greater good. And right, end. but he my said, point. Okay, but the point is, is that the archetype is still consistent. There, they both believe that force was the manifestation that was the strongest way to manifest the light light. and to, to hone it. Yeah. Yeah. And so the archetype for a Titan, you know, that's, that's, um, it's, it's like telling someone who's in the military, you are going to be destined to be in the military because that's your mindset. You know, it's not, it's, it's almost, it's almost a moot point because Mm -hmm. it's just, you you can now you can look at that person from from like a psychology point of view. You can look at that person, and you can study what led up to that person. You know, existing in the what's called the paradigm that he, that he or she exists in. Excuse me, but the thing is, is they exist in that paradigm. So it's it's. To a degree, it's almost not – it's not worth it arguing about the past and what got you there. Now, you can use the past to examine it to learn more about that person, but it's also more about studying the past to learn more about that person to help them you know, build a better future. And so for the Guardians, it's kind of all set, also that approach too. We can look at the past. We can look at the archetype of these three classes but the, the overall the overall archetype of a guardian as a as a whole is that the distinction here is that a guardian has the capacity to take the, the traveler's blessing and weaponize that whereas the citizens of the city they still have you know they still have light we know that normal people have light because of the whole um, thorn cards you know when he kills ones too yeah. Yeah, and in, in yeah, and so like we know that we know that normal quote quote normal humans or normal exos or normal awoken have light. 
the the difference here is that for whatever reason, Guardians and the Risen have either either they have more, which we'll also get into. They have more of that light, or they have the capacity. They just they have the capacity to weaponize it, to manifest it in a paracausal manner, in which to enact upon the world in a in a violent fashion where I don't yeah. I don't think normal human beings or normal entities have that. And I think that's really the the big big point with these two cards that it's talking about. So and well, to kind of bring it back to Rise of the Guardians a little bit and the bigger picture as a whole, when we talk about archetypes, paradigms, classes, subclasses, any of these distinctions they were null and void. They didn't even exist at this point. In the beginning, guardians just were. Right. Like, they didn't. They Rizzo didn't. was what he was. You know. Right. He, and they said that at that time they would have called him a titan. But exactly, you get, you get the. I got well, and I got the sense when when I read that, I got the sense that they were kind of referring to the mythological titans, not the guardian yes so that and the first time i read that card i viewed him as as being you know like giant uh, crota scale yeah um but i guess my point was my point was we can putting putting people and putting ideas and putting things in boxes is something civilization likes to do so at the time when the risen first emerged civilization really wasn't a thing you know, it was it was in disarray. Everything was falling apart. So no one was really concerned with what distinction we gave the large, you know, the large right, fur I mean, clad I mean, man who saved me. We just cared that he he was a boss and he killed everybody. So, but I mean, I just, but even in that time, they still they still grouped them because they gave yeah. him the title Risen. Yeah, because right? you know, even in even in uh, even in a dystopian future that was that. Well, is, but like even in this dystopian future that was that there was no city yet, they still you know foom, foom, they clump them into yeah, and that's groups. that's human nature. Right. I don't even know if it's human nature. It's just I think it's just sentient nature. It's, it, it's, it's yeah, it's, it, I I would completely agree with that. Uh, there's a, it's a psychological patterning that's called there's, clustering. Yeah, there's always it, a them versus us, or a, you know, a them it's, and us. It's not it, well, and I would I would hesitate to go that far it's it's more about um memory retention in a psychological sense it's um it's how your brain works to make sense of the world around you your Hmm. brain works more efficiently uh when it clusters things and so by clustering which is basically your natural tendency to connect things that are similar you actually mm-hmm. remember you can remember more because you're remembering a cluster instead of individuals if that makes sense yeah and now that makes perfect you remember the uh do you remember the neuroscience article yes. i found yeah. a long yeah. time ago and it was you you basically made memories by by chaining these little neural yes. circuits yes. and uh, a chain of circuits was actually called an engram Mm-hmm. But well, and that's, yeah, that and that's actually makes perfect process. sense. Yeah, that's like the physical manifestation of the clustering process is the connection of those neurotran well, not neurotransmitters, but the neural pathways that are there. So, I yes. like it. I like it. So, so I think we've. Uh, what do you think, Willie? Well, I had a lot to think, but I was thinking through most of that. So, um, 
I you would still it. say like it, it's kind of like what you guys were just talking about how you cluster ideas together. I kind of cluster Destiny and Titans together at this point. Mm-hmm. On occasion, depending on what the topic is, like if you start saying the word anime, I might think Attack on Titan. But <laughs> amazing show. I'm sorry, but anyway, back to topic. I still, when they said, you know, today they would consider him a Titan, I saw him as exactly that. And I felt like, I mean, he he thinks a lot in the first card. Um, What is it called? Behind These Walls, I want to say it is. Before These Walls. Before These Walls. Yeah. And he kind of thinks, and he, he ponders a lot more than you would think a typical Titan because of, like we've been talking about. Um, stereotypes would tend to be for a Titan would be uh, punch things now, ask questions later, but he's thinking about the future toward the end there. Like, what are we really doing? Is this going to have an effect? Like, what? what's what's the point right now? And then, of course, then there's that second card that's just so awesome. I think that I want to say Blue had that card. It might be Justin. But that one deserves to be oh, read because war without end. Yeah, war yes. with that one. Let, well, yeah, we, that yeah. one needs to be actually read. Um, I TLDR that first one. It's just kind of talking about how Rezel before at that point they weren't called Guardians; they're called the Risen, Risen. Mm-hmm. which we end up learning. I mean, it makes sense in a timeline mind mind frame because. Mm-hmm. These a majority of guardians are risen from the dead, so of course yes. they're the risen. They're not the zombies. They're that, not out here. Yeah, the only one that we potentially didn't is Shin. I don't think off yeah. the top of my head there's any and other one. That's that's what makes it interesting, though. Right? Like you, ha- that's what makes the Shin Malfer story. Well, yeah, so one, of, one of the things. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, one of many. Other than the fact that you can argue about it for hours. Yeah, and I've, I've actually got a view on the Shin Malfoy that I want to that I want to share later don't in do it. Don't time. Do it. I'm not no, going to do it right do now. It. I'm not gonna, so <laughs> so we are all. moving. Don't do it at all. No, I will do it. I will do it. No. It will happen. So okay. moving it. moving on. You um, you, let's well let's look. So there's there's actually a story mission. You know that all of us are pretty familiar with because we have to play this one. It's the very first one that we play and that's the guardian rises and in the grimoire card for the guardian rises says, and so you rise again, who you were before or how you ended up at the wall of an old Russian spaceport is a story for another time. You have been chosen by the traveler as one of our guardians gifted with the power to wield its light in the coming battles of a timeless war. Trust this ghost it will guide you on your path. And so, you know, I remember when we, you know, first read this card, it was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Nothing, nothing really big there. But, you know, as we've gone through a couple of DLCs now, there's actually some stuff that you can kind of unpack from that too. Um, for instance, the fact that it is not our light, it's the traveler's light which is a very important distinction there. And then also the fact that there is a a nod here to the war between the light and the darkness that we have learned more about in the books of sorrow in the timeless war. 
So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the books of sorrow kind of put this, this card, especially even just these little few bits and pieces here, it puts it in a different perspective for me, at least. Yeah. Well, or a timeless war like, or like a war um, without end. Mm-hmm. Future. Yeah. War well, I mean, that's, I, that's what I was just going to say, Lewis. That's just, that's the future war cult mind frame right there. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah, but I, I'll get to that later. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, the, the biggest thing that stands out for me at least is the, the distinction that it is not our light. This is the traveler's light. That's what I was going to bring up is in game, as far as guardians, um, speak about it, it is their light. Like, yeah, um, it, well, and, and his light was strong as some things that have been said about Veltarlo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very um, narrow-minded kind of a distinction to put on it that I can see people oh, putting man. as a, as a euphemism. Right the kidney. No, no, not you. Not you. Not you. No, he's, yeah, he's saying – No, like, I'm talking about the speaker <laughs> in, in all those cards because you're, you're spot on. Um, what you're saying is completely true. There are multiple references to his light, her light, their light. Um, Even Eris does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and, but I think it's it's almost a very egocentric um, kind of take on light that that has more to do with the speaker of those those lines than it does to do with the actual nature of light. Um, if you think about it, think of energy of mm-hmm. any sort in our natural world. Right? Does it belong to anybody? Does it ever, does it ever, it depends you know, on who you're well, talking to. Well, yeah, yeah. But you can charge people for it. You can give it to them. They can utilize it, but well, can I mean, they own but, something that they, they will never actually, because energy doesn't, doesn't ever, it's, it's never created or destroyed. It's always just transformed from one form to another, to another, to another. That's how if you like. In our world, yes. I wouldn't compare. Yeah, I wouldn't compare light to like electricity. <laughs> well, no, and no. Right hang now, on. Hang I would on. compare it more to like oxygen. Well, uh, you know what I'm saying. Like, but, but that's one thing that you can't really charge for. Well, I, mean, I, I, I really wasn't even talking electricity. I was just talking energy of any. Yeah, form yeah, yeah. To, no, um, I mean the thing is, is like, and and we'll get into this when I start talking about the the theory of you know the the the. Uh, the philosophical makeup of a guardian because we we've hammered out a pretty robust theory on an Aristotelian model of guardianship and the light in that. So the way that I understand light and I'll kind of, I'll, well, I'll just talk about it a little bit. The way I understand light is that it's what's called anima, which is basically an animating force. Um, it's not, it's not intellectual. It doesn't have a consciousness. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, think for itself. It doesn't have feelings. It's not anything like that. It is literally spiritual power. Um, and the reason why we were, what I was saying was it's an Aristotelian is this is kind of derived out of the anima mundi theory, uh, from Plato actually. And Aristotle was a follower of that. And, you know, kind of built off this on top of his theory because he was his instructor and so on. But anima is used in a combination for the psychological 
uh, self with a with an aspect called nos, and the nos is it gets really complicated when you start delving into nos because nos is basically the mind. It's the the intellectual sense of self, your consciousness. And so what you have to have is though you have to have both these aspects and both of these aspects then go on to power the body. So there's a three, it's a three legged stool. Basically you miss any one of these legs, the stool falls over, but the anima is very important because even though it is not self-aware, it doesn't, you know, have really any thought processes. It does have some instinctual desire and instinctual leanings. It's it's a very animalistic spirit. It's it's uh uh it's also very uh kind of like a psychoanalysis. It's the id basically. It's a it's an unthinking power source but it still thinks in a way. And so what happens is this anima is controlled in a way by the nos, which is the consciousness and all that. And then that power moves the body. And so when you think about light as an anima, it makes a lot of sense because it also explains why the hive, for example, crave the light. Because if you look at the hive as kind of a vampiric species, the more they eat the light, the more they can be animated. They can actually exist. And so they actually are feet. And there's actually, um, there's several myths of vampires who actually don't drink blood. They actually drink life force, uh, especially in the far East, um, you know, where you have key. And so this is kind of, it kind of ties into that on that concept of vampirism where they are actually stealing the life force of the people. You know, Crota was called the eater of light. He ties the light. Highlander. Hmm? <laughs> What's that? I said hashtag Highlander. Hi, yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, it, it, it is, it is. It's kind of, I mean, it, it kind of is that. I mean, you know, sword logic isn't in a way a, a very vampiric concept because you are imbibing the life force of those that you defeat to become more powerful. I mean, Jesus, go read Dracula and pay attention to the, um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Keanu Reeves. No, God, don't ever talk to me again. Um, you know, there's a few examples in cinema I can think uh, about that are not coming to me right now. Right, but well, my point and it's my, really killing me. Well, my point is, is that I can't. I'm completely blanking on the the character's name. Um, but in Dracula. In we're Dracula. supposed to be speed running. The I know. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. I'm nearly done. Let's talk about vampirism. But there's a there's a <laughs> character. It's the it's an insane it's an insane character who's a human who is enthralled by fat Dracula. Oh yeah 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 and yeah. And he, he, liter- yeah. he literally sits there and he starts and like he Igor. does he, no not Igor God just stop talking. Um, he starts feeding creatures. He starts feeding animals to other animals, and the entire point. No, that's Mary Shelley. Different story. Um, the entire concept is he feed like so he starts catching is flies. It and then yes, that's Dracula. And then he starts feeding the flies to spiders. Then he catches bigger spiders and feeds the spiders. And then he catches birds and feeds the spiders to birds. And basically, his entire thing is he's building this pyramid of life energy, so that when he finally gets 
to the point where he's like he he gets to the point where he feeds the birds to a cat and then he eats the cat and his entire concept are you is this is Bram Stoker's Dracula or are yeah. you saying this is like a, no 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 this is Bram Stoker's Dracula saying this is so the entire the entire point is that's a parallel to the tithing system you're building you're building a reservoir of life energy and then you're ingesting it yourself so that you gain the life compiled within that and if you view light as an animating force or a life force in and of itself that also explains the entire hive concept it also explains why when we get a, an immense amount of light we can summon the paracausal capabilities that we know as supers now the interesting thing there is that the summoning ritual that you use is very specific and that was another thing that we talked about in chat was you know if you tweak the summoning ritual you can change the super manifestation that you you call forth which is which actually explains why warlocks are studying the light so much they are actually I, I, my theory is that they are actually trying to figure out a different way to summon different supers so you could theoretically have a titan summon an offensive void super not a defensive you could have a titan summon a defensive arc super instead of an offensive arc super so he, the process of those rituals is what summons the light and manifests that into a weapon form the reason we know this is because the the dark operates in the exact same process that's the entire process of them gaining the paracausal capabilities that the worm gods taught them in the books of sorrow and so that, you know, another point of the, and that was kind of, we talked about that with the dark and light episode, but the, my entire point there is, is that the light, if you view light as nothing more than an, an, an animating force, it actually makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense because we know through different, you know, various flavor texts that the guardian has to decide to come back. It's not like you can just summon a guardian and it just, you know, shells, it's just a shell. There is a sense of the individual self. Kind of like how we were talking about the Taken, you know, in our last one. There is the sense of self. And that self would be the equivalent of the Gnos in the Destiny world. Am I the only one that gets a feeling of the Force? Yes. talking about the darkness and the yeah, light? Yeah, you can't talk about the Guardians. Well, the Guardians, I think you can't talk about them... And the light without thinking of the force and Jedi and no, I mean, yeah, That's what it, I'm thinking, it, you know, and then you got those that are persuaded by the darkness, like the hive. Um, it doesn't seem like the, I think fallen are exactly. No, I would to the darkness. No, I would no. Snoop, the, if anything, a, a virus, right? It well, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see what happens in rise of iron, but if anything, the fallen are a third party. They're not. There's one thing we do know that's going to happen in Rise of Iron. We're going to become freaking lords of iron. Right. So, but, that today and but the point, the only, the only deviation from the whole Jedi Sith parallel is that the darkness actually ingests the light. Um, Sith don't eat Jedi. They just, yeah, they're, they're not, uh, they don't require the Jedi's force. To continue. Well, in this in this universe, they're not balancing forces, right? Like well, the, like the light side of. and the dark side of the force are. 
Well, that we know they kind of. of are. Like, I think. We, I mean, I would argue the, that they kind the of are. Born awoken. Well, and they're, they're teetering on both sides, you know. And then you have the factions like the city, which obviously very so, pro light, and then you have the hive. They're I very to, pro darkness. I wanted to kind of bring uh, attention to something real quick that mm-hmm. uh, I did not know, and I just now found out from doing show notes for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was Ishtar Collective, and they might have been doing this for a while, and I just haven't noticed, but mm-hmm. they're actually doing uh, story transcripts now. Yes. And they started a couple weeks ago, I think. And, I think and that is amazing, because I don't know about y'all, but but when I hear something and when I read something are two very different things. Because I can hear something ten times, and then the first time I read it, I will catch stuff that I completely missed. But um, or read something differently, you know, than mm-hmm. I right than right. I took well, the it infliction, when it was said. The infliction that is given. Yeah, but um, there's actually a story transcript for the uh, Guardian Rises, which I will not read ad nauseum because I think everyone here has started at least three characters, and most of us have probably started more than that and played this mission a few times. But basically, it's the stock cliche destiny thing of, you know, you're dead. Now you're alive. I can't tell you much. Here's a gun. Um, <laughs> that's I think that's a good paraphrasing. That of is it. a pretty good paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of moving on from that, that, that ties in with the card that, that Blue had just read, which was the uh, – you know, the Guardian Rises card before we got off into, you know, vampirism. Um, Don't get me started. No, no. Hey, hey let's <laughs> save it for spinball time, babe. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Ghost Fragment Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And this actually ties into what we were just talking about. In its dying breath, the Traveler created the ghosts to seek out those who can wield this light as a weapon. Guardians to protect us and do what the traveler itself cannot can no longer can. Built from machinery and the traveler's light, ghosts guide their guardian companions in the quest in the quest to reclaim our solar system. Every ghost seeks out its guardian among the ancient dead. The ghost serves its at, serves as scout, librarian, and mechanic, waking ancient machinery and cracking alien codes. In the right situation, a ghost can even save a guardian from death. But ghosts are not immortal. As far as guardians know, every loss is irreplaceable. And they cannot open a door. <laughs> but that's what they're they built for. If you're in the dark below. <laughs> they can't open their door. They literally, it's minimum, it's going to be three waves of enemies. <laughs> it's like simple. It's like a DOS code, right? Yeah. Heaven forbid you're holding groceries. <laughs> if you're holding groceries, it's just yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I actually the ghosts are interesting too because they are actually one of the reasons that we can repair exos. They somehow retain the knowledge of uh, exo repair. Well, how? They're also the way to retain guardians in general. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, just like regular exos. They, <laughs> yeah. they upkeep regular exos. They have uh, well, repair shops, I think, if I remember that correctly. 
Well, they're they're connected to the mainframe, so they to the to the traveler. They they know all about the golden age, so I'm sure they know what's going on with the exos. Yeah, they just won't tell anybody. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, why don't they fix Banshee? I mean, they fix they fix the frame, not the mind. There's there's no fixing Banshee at this point. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and it's it's actually worth noting that ghosts are not immortal, and every loss may well be irreplaceable. So, um, well, being that they're pieces of the traveler, we know that's a finite quantity. You know, right. And again, uh, the other interesting thing here is this is another entity that is deriving its light not from itself but from the traveler. Mm-hmm. So just like the guardian, they are powered by the traveler's light, not their own light. Yeah, and you know, um, every notable death that we have gotten from any guardian, their ghost is destroyed or it's too drained of light to resurrect their guardian. So it's gonna die, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So well, that, that's and I worth think noting on the ghost. Is it the the ghost that's in the Mars card that we learned that once the Guardian or they can't they can't replenish their light. They're just basically small batteries. They're like power cells. They just they eventually will lose the power and die. Yeah, themselves. I would actually I would actually well, they lose it when they're in them, the darkness. I would actually liken a ghost more to a capacitor. Right, a, right, right. But I mean, so they can only chart, they can only hold yeah. a finite amount. And then yeah, they, they have hold to a finite unquote, amount of. They have to go back and get a micro USB and plug back in. Exactly. Well, I, I don't see it like that. I see it as in there are specific places where you can't res. Like, well, no, 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 exactly. no, no, no. But, you know, right, like right. The but zones, your ghost can't get the light anymore. Well, but it's not that out, it can't just, get the light, it's that it doesn't have enough light in and of itself. So that's why it has to borrow the light from other guardians. But the Mars, the the uh, I don't want to say it's the Ghost Fragment Mars card, the one where the ghost is like hiding inside the base. It's not in a darkness zone. It's just hiding inside the base in the walls. But that's it makes true. a comment. It made well, a comment that it was losing power, and it was like trying to gather as much well, intel before it went dormant. And this was a ghost also, though, that couldn't find a guardian. Right, right. He thought he would, and he couldn't do it. And so it seems like they do need that symbiotic relationship with a guardian in order to, you know, keep going, is what it would seem. Because, I mean, we don't run out of light when we're out of patrol. Yeah, for and hours. that's the other interesting thing, too, is that we we generate. So we're a generate. I guess, Justin, you're the... You're the specialty specialist on electricity, but like, so we're more of a generator that just needed a kickstart. And once we got started, we start generating more. And so the ghost can ghost as a capacitor can actually plug into their guardian and recharge their battery. So, right. I was that I view, I view the ghost. It seems like the, I think the capacitor analogy is a good one for a ghost because it definitely seems like a ghost can hold a a a certain amount of light um, in reserve to use to res you to transmit things what however you want to put it but I don't I don't think a generator is a good analogy for guardian because we aren't the generator because I, I kind of go back and, and again this is kind of maybe a completely flawed 
view of light in this paracausal um, paradigm. But I don't think light's ever generated. If it is, it's inside the traveler. I, we definitely don't generate the, well, the light. But I think we're more we're more like a relay or a repeater right. in this in this and sense. We are we're able to receive, and then okay. whatever comes through us goes back to the traveler, and then we receive more. Um, and then, however, we use it to perform, um, you know, um, paracausal work with it is, you know, it's our business. But everything that enters. I view I view a guardian like a node in an electrical circuit. So right. everything that that enters any node in an electrical circuit leaves like nothing is you know nothing's created, nothing's mysteriously stolen. It's whatever enters that node leaves that node. So I mean, like, mm, so it, when you're it in, may not be irrational. No, 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 it it no, might no. not actually I'm work. Trying, I'm but, trying to fix fit this in game mechanics. So mm-hmm. when you're in a patrol or you know whatever a story mission and you kill people, you get a boost of light. That's actually you know the, you stealing their light, basically. Um, I mean, basically that's how I understand it. But at the same time, you can gather light just standing still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your that's your super cooldown, and your right. abilities cooldown. But that's us. That's us gaining light. Mm-hmm. So where do we gain it from if we're not? That's from the things? traveler picture. Okay, so, picture so you're, you're saying that we're we're basically connected in a giant relay. Exactly. Okay. What I picture okay. the traveler as is is a giant magnetic north pole. Okay. Emitting okay. emitting a giant okay. electromagnetic field. That's and it's not electromagnetic. First of all, like, like right, 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 right. It's right, just right. it's just the analogy. But, but that would that would also explain um, that would also explain why the is it the the heliophase. Oh yeah, the heliopause or heliopause. Why that's yeah. such a big deal? Because the break might, in the solar wind. Yeah. Well, because that would be the break of which beyond the traveler's network does yeah, not the, extend. The extent of his reach, and the the funny thing about a magnetic field or an electromagnetic field is it it can be interfered with, and that I think is probably oh, like a therein zone? lies the mechanic of a of a darkness zone. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that that actually makes that that makes a lot of sense. See, it happens from time to time. From time, you know, hey, hey, a broken clock is right two times a day. <laughs> you sound like Pipe. This is just <laughs> hurtful. <laughs> so, <laughs> after yes. real quick before we move on to to the, I think the meat and potatoes of what everyone wants to talk about, there is another storage transcript called. It's for the opening cinematic, mm-hmm. which may very well be, be the best of all Destiny, called The Coming War. This is the uh, the scene that I have dubbed the Mara Sayonara scene, but um, it, is, it is amazing. And it's actually got a nice little soliloquy from a, from a ghost. Well, actually, our ghost, right? Um talking about how he came to find us. And if you're interested in that, check that out on Ishtar Collective, because I'm not reading the whole thing, but um, it basically kind of lays out the basic timeline for that ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, it, ghost. It, 
Yeah, our ghosts exactly. But what I'm what I'm assuming is most ghosts. Is I was born in the moment the traveler died, as everything collapsed around us. Before that day, there had never been a ghost. So you can kind of now we kind of get this image of the ghost creation by the traveler as this last ditch effort to kind of salvage a bad situation. Yes, and, and I'm sorry. Here's the whole tragic loss of uh, Marasov, which, according to that VDoc that we had, um, she might not be lost according to her voice actor. Yeah. Maybe we can get her on here one day. Um, <laughs> so Hurt, Hurt Chain is asking in chat, yes, the heliopause is referring to a section of space at which the – and Justin, jump in here because I don't want to get yelled at again. Oh, um, this happened before. Yeah. I know. The heliopause is the break of the what's called the solar wind from mm-hmm. from the central star of our system. So every, every star system is going to have a helio – well, not necessarily a helio. But well, I guess it would be a heliopause, wouldn't it? Technically, what's that? Wouldn't every um, star system have a heliopause? Yes. It, it, well, it's it it radiates from a star, and then it just dies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a wind. And, it just it eventually well, just, well, it doesn't die, actually, but it just it's stops. A, well, it is a misleading. It's a misleading term to call it the solar wind because obviously there can't be wind in a zero oxygen environment. Uh-uh. Uh, it's a paracausal event. No, no, no. This is a no, very real yeah, event. No, 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 I know. <laughs> this just, is very just giving you and, and someone we have some very, very knowledgeable people about <laughs> this type of thing in in chat. Um and they could probably speak to it more. And I haven't delved into this very much, but I actually I think I saw this was more of a magnetic phenomenon. But wind is just a good kind of it's a term we all can relate to. So, so yes, hurt. It's the section of space between empty space and our sun's reach. So, mm-hmm, pretty much, it's, it's basically it's, the extent of our sun's reach. Now, beyond it, I wouldn't. I would. There is quote empty space, um, but I don't know if it's ne- you know it's not necessarily empty, but we don't know. But that's yeah. the extent of our sun's. Um, Sun's reach. Well, I've heard oh, a theory that the radiation star out in the universe is a sun for another solar system. Now, if that's true, then I mean, there's a lot of space to explore that we well, might never get to. There are. It's 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 not quite that simple, but it that's that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Like there are there are binary systems with two stars. There, I mean, it's not every system isn't like our system with one. With you know, there's even with, trinary stars. There's a ex- cult for that. Too. Yeah, there's a cult of the trinary star. I can't think of a system with the trinary star. That'd be uh, nuts. No, there there was a system with the trinary star. I can't remember what it was. Like an actual? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that several. is nuts. I'm gonna actually have to to look that up. It's but, it is. It's really weird. Like it's it's basically it's basically a binary star system. So like you know the two stars are rotating, but then uh-huh. there's a third star usually that gets caught in the rotation. And so it's basically it's the way they explained it is there's like two that are not heading for immediate implosion. 
there's like two systems in the entire universe that we know of that they are not going to kill them, like just blow up the entire system. But every single one, it's like a, I think they call it a detrimental orbit. And like, it basically says that eventually that third star is just going to completely smack into the other star. And of course that's going to, you know, blow everything up. Oh, it's a, it's a decaying orbit. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I'm not, I am not a, me neither. So I read a lot of Heinlein. So yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but yeah. I, so I'm there, like there are actual, there are actual trinary, and I think there was one that had like, like four or five. Like there's, I mean, oh, there's crap. some, yeah, there's, there's some crazy system structures out there. But it's like all of them. The you know, obviously, the more celestial bodies you get rotating in a system, the more likely something's gonna smack into the other and cause problems so 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 do we want to move on yeah do we want to move on to what we're all here to talk about yeah let's (laughs) let's talk about before these walls oh are we i I thought i tldr'd that earlier but you know what what the hell i might as well read the whole card you can't tldr freaking what you can't tldr is the the war card the card that follows war without end you cannot in no way, shape, or form ever TLDR with that card because there's too much detail of battle and awesomeness. And, of course, Titan Masterclass. But we'll go ahead and we'll run before these walls real quick. Rezal Azir was a man. In time, his kind would be called Titan. Mountains of muscle and might and metal. His collar was fur and teeth. His person clad in ornate, gold-etched plating. Trophies upon his shoulders. This was before the city was the city. This was before the walls. Still in the shadow of the fragile giant above, but before. Salvation seekers came. Survivors. Weary remnants of people on the brink. These were the days before reason took hold. Before study was merged with belief. The giant was looked to as the one would a god. Maybe it still is. Factions grew from the huddled masses, like minds coming together to provide support, comfort. Over time, these loyalties demanded loyalty. Differences that used to inform, viewpoints that when joined granted a larger understanding of the whole, became points of conflict. The sanctuary became divided. The shadow of light grew darker. This... Humanity's last oasis, slowly fading to a mirage. Great, powerful men and women, the Risen, stood at the faction sides. Protection. Enforcers. Misused possibility. Misery crept into this false paradise, yet hope lingered. Seeing the cracks in the society born beneath the giant's fractured shell... Some among the Risen challenged the dissolution of all that could be. They would no longer serve as the instruments of oppression. They'd be more. Thus began an unnecessary war made necessary by greed, ambition, fear. And in the chaos of this struggle came the scavengers, aliens with appetites, a common enemy. In the end, the scavengers were repelled and the factions fell. Their grip broken, though their beliefs remained. This was the earliest days of the Guardians, when Mike found purpose. 
when prosperity was in reach. Rezal had been a champion of these wars, a leader. Against alien pirates, he had been more. If the giant wasn't a god, then maybe Rezal was. As the first walls formed, built of hard work and sacrifice, Rezal and the Guardians stood against the alien plunderers time and time again. More survivors arrived, more warriors. The Guardian ranks swelled. The city grew. Hope blossomed. To Rezal, it was a currency. Hope bought tomorrow. Tomorrow bought the effort needed to survive today. Yet, Rezal grew weary. Stories haunted this his nights. Old stories. Those no longer told. Those locked behind tight lips of fear of what they may invoke. Whenever the sun dropped below the horizon and the moon rose high, Rezal's thoughts wandered. How safe was safe? How long could they fight the darkness still writhing? So, every day, Rezal would fight and build and protect. And every day, a city grew beneath the giant. And every night, he would think about all that was never said and stare intently at the moon above. Yeah, I'm happy we didn't skip that card. It is a pretty good one. Got a little bit of chills there. But, um... So yeah, that that's probably the best description of when guardians, undead guardians, first started rising. And they were called the Risen originally, and kind of more used for muscle for greed than actually being heroes until they said enough mm-hmm. with the whole faction wars, and it's then also, of course the fallen helped us out, you know. Right. And this is also. To put in perspective, too, this is also when a lot of people argue that the initial crucible was formed, um, that you had, you know, the Iron Lords potentially starting to kind of make their names for themselves. You know, they didn't they didn't become the godlike statues that they were until six fronts, but they were around during this point. And so, you know, because the the big the big catalyst for the transformation from risen to guardian it seems was and we talked we talked about this a lot in the chat you know the faction wars were raging and you know internal strife was going on and everything and then all of a sudden there is an external threat the fallen are coming and you know they're they're banging at the doors trying to knock everything down and they basically are forced with the decision, you know, Rezel, you know, was kind of the way I read this, he, you know, he, he is the leader of the initial fire team or whatever you want to call it. He could have, you could even probably make an argument that he was actually one of the, probably the initial Vanguard commander before there was a Vanguard because he yeah. was a leader against the fallen. He, he organized the risen into the guardians, you know, he basically, you know, whipped, they, they basically took the guard, the risen that were tired of being used and stuff like that and said, you know, Hey, look, you guys keep fighting. It's going to, it's not going to take much to push this over and then we're dead. Yeah. And that's when the guardians 
came to existence is because they they were guarding they were guarding the city they weren't just risen they were now they now had a task they now had purpose exactly and that's that's kind of a distinction i wanted made because um Risen is what they were because they were resurrected. There was no changing that. No matter what choice they made when they made that first step after being resurrected, they were risen. Being a guardian was a choice. And it implies a mantle of responsibility being taken up to borrow a set of terms from Halo. Um, But well, no, it's not just, I mean, just the term, you know, to be a guardian, that that term gives you. A purpose. And I, I mean, regard like there's tons of games that use guardian. You know, it's it's yeah. not a it's not just a, a Halo thing. You know, Overwatch uses guardian. Um, mm-hmm. There's a number of role playing games that have guardians, and so. But I think what you're what you're saying also is backed up because it says the guardian rank swelled, and the city grew. You know, it was it was when they brought when they unified that they actually were able to build. They weren't they weren't yeah. so busy tearing each other down. They were actually helping each other build. And then actually, also the the counter of that seems to be present there too. In that the guardian rank swelled, but there's the complete possibility that there were risen who did not take that oh, responsibility. I, I totally think there were. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that the, the, you know, the consensus was formed and the f- faction war was kind of put down. Like it wasn't, I mean, it's never been implied that that was not a, that that was a gentle process. You know, when I, when, I mean, just, just look at, look at the crucible that exists today and imagine that without rules. I mean, you have, you have, that would be the true definition of power matters and it's not oh i'm going to resurrect no they were probably putting things down not coming back you know you, you we read about we read about yor and you know how thalor was you know the undefeated champion and this was like this was this was the crucible that was a true crucible you know people were melted down they did not get back up because we also have hunter items where they would steal the cloaks of the fallen that fallen hunters that they had defeated. And who could forget poor poor Seagoth. <laughs> <laughs> I still I mean I don't know. The the entire, you know, on that on that small tangent, the entire presentation <laughs> of the Iron Temple Kind of confirms our conversation about him being a statue that he they that they literally defaced. <laughs> like, I still don't think Seagoth. I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. Oh, oh, nothing. Oh, come on. Unless he ran into Medusa, that's not his head. Oh, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> so, Blue's got the better of the two Rezel cards on tap, right? Yeah, war. So war without end, and this is a it's a pretty good good length. So it's Rezlazir, war without end. Elksori's ambush. His foot pressed hard to the sun cracked ground. Beneath it, the vandal's neck gave a hiss of ether, burst free before dissipating. Rezl turned. Three dregs charged 
Their captain raised his shockblade high, unleashing a battle cry to fuel their courage. Focused fire split, spit from the muzzle of Rezel's full auto. The dregs fell. To the captain, Rezel was a trophy that would buy unmatched respect among his devil brothers. To Rezel, the captain was already an afterthought. As Aether leaked from the pirate's broken body with each blow of Rezel's heavy fist, Rezel's attention had shifted to the unknown but inevitable battles to follow. This was the state of things, conflict as common as breath. The Tuscan Valley Encounter A catch with unfamiliar markings hung low between the two peaks, a rare sight. Fallen flagships weren't known to linger so close to the surface, preferring constant motion, like sharks on the hunt. Skiffs circled below the catch as the crews prepared to plunder any treasures the facility held. Rezel leveled his rocket launcher. A digital ping signaled a lock, and a trail of smoke shot towards the lead skiff. Two more rockets followed in rapid succession. The lead skiff took two hits, lurched, and retreated back to the catch toward the catch above. The third rocket caught a trailing skiff as the craft turned to engage its attackers. Rezel looked back. Go. You can't take a catch alone, Hassa laughed. The ship isn't my target. Rezel had a plan. Hassa hated Rezel's plans with equal parts envy and concern. Lead the skiffs away, he continued. We'll meet. Can't meet if you're dead, Tover shot back. Rezel smiled beneath his helm. Go. Hassa and Tover throttled their sparrows and disappeared into the heavy woods. Rezel watched from cover as the skiffs gave chase. The fallen below had taken defensive positions. The rocket attack caught them off the guard, but they were ready now, and there were more of them than he had time to count. Rezel raced down the slope, weaving between the thick growth of brush and pine on a direct path for the fallen clustered at the mountain's base, his ghost at his side. I need you to hang back. Uh, trust me. Always have. How quick can you light my spark? You expect to die? Can't say that's the... How quick? Quick. Be ready. Four. You'll know. Rezel's ghost slowed as the guardian hit the valley floor. The fallen opened fire. Rezel leapt from his sparrow as it transmatted away, his rifle spraying lead at the entrenched pirates. The fallen's arc bolts peppered Rezel. Eager drags rushed and were met with death as Rezel marched forward. A massive blast cratered the ground a few feet from the Titan. The catch had turned its gun on, guns on Rezel. Another blast impacted to Rezel's left and he stumbled. A third exploded directly in his path, and Rezel fell. From the tree line, his ghost watched as the fallen celebrated and a skiff drifted down from the catch above. The circle around Rezel's body parted and the imposing figure of their Kel stepped forward to admire his prize. The chittering excitement quieted to a steady drone as the Kel lifted Rezel's limp body by the neck. A chorus rose among the crew, growing, growing louder as the Kel hefted Rezel over his head for all to see. Rezel's ghost darted low through the crowd. He didn't like Rezel's plan, but now he understood it. Distracted by their Kel's triumph, the ghost's presence went unnoticed until a beam of light swept over Rezel's body. The mood shifted instantly, cheers turning to ravenous shouts. The Kel's gaze fell to the ghost as the beam faded. The circle began to collapse, the fallen set to pounce. As the Kel moved to toss Rezel aside, cold steel met the underside of the alien marauder's jaw, 
followed by a red flash as Rezel pulled his cannon's trigger. Ether spewed in an angry geyser, and the Kel's grip loosened. Rezel hit the ground and unloaded five more rounds into the fallen leader's torso. The monster dropped. Frenzied, the Kel's crew closed in like a flood. Rezel's ghost lifted above the fray, frantic, Now, now, now! In one motion, Rezel rose from a crouch, his fists clenched and raised high as a storm of arc light built within him, his full might raining down on the Kel's chest. The shockwave of Rezel's attack hit like a meteor, shattering the Kel's body and any fallen within the Havoc Storm's radius. The remaining fallen staggered, knocked back, and dazed. Rezel triggered his sparrow. His ghost flew but to his side. We leaving? Before the catch opens up on us. Rezel punched the throttle as the fallen crew opened fire. Let's never do that again, his ghost pleaded. Rezel didn't have a reply. If war was a constant, never was just an illusion. In defense of North Channel, winds from the south caught the smoke and began clear the thick air. Slowly, the citizens of the small, snow-covered settlement came out from their hiding places. Rezel surveyed their faces, each weary but flecked with hope. Living in the wilds was all they had known, surviving, fighting, hiding, these people had heard stories of a safer place, but tales of a better life were so rarely true. Rezels and his companion, companions had been tracking these fallen for weeks. Had they caught them sooner, this town would have been spared. That any survivors climbed from the rubble to see another day marked this as a victory, but Rezel was growing tired of small wins, however meaningful. That evening, Rezels and the other led a gathering of survival, survivors on the long journey to the growing city beneath the Traveler. Some settlers remained behind, choosing to stake their climb, claim in the untamed wilds. Rezel admired their resolve, but never looked back. He knew whatever death these brave pioneers avoided that day would come to them, someday, in one form or another. So... Yeah. That was a fun, long card. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing. It is. So it's, amazing. It, as far as I'm concerned, that's like the best card in game right now. I'm not going that far, but it's amazing. <laughs> no, it's so good. It's so very good. So, so very good. So, so, um, actually, am I the only one who kind of feels sorry for the, for the, Kel? No. Well, having, yes, having, you're the only one that feels sorry for him. I have fallen prey to a very similar tactic in Trials of Osiris a couple times. <laughs> Where I think uh, <laughs> Dano feels your pain. He probably does. He pro- I have literally been dancing <laughs> only to have only to have it all crumble because of a self-res, which isn't what Rezel did, but it's actually funny. His name's Rezel here, but um, no, wow. That's just an amazing, that's actually the first that's, and I might be wrong here, but that may be the first time that they've kind of broken the fourth wall with the whole resurrection game mechanic. And Mm -hmm. it it makes, well, it makes sense that you would use that as a misdirection ploy. Well, yeah, I don't think it's breaking the fourth wall. 
Well, it's not breaking the fourth wall, but it yeah, is. Go with that, but. It is. Um, it is kind of uh, exploiting it in the story, like. Well, it, yeah, but I would. I would imagine. I mean, the guardian. The game mechanic. Right. Of. I mean, we have. Uh, we have the pan. The. Oh, what is? Is it the errata? That's like yeah, the Pahanin errata. Yeah, the one where it's like the way to clear a minefield. Number step one: step on a landmine. Unhealthy obsession with squids. <laughs> no, Except no, no. Where, where he basically is like, yeah, you step on the landmine, you blow yourself up, wait for ghost to resurrect, repeat. And like that, I mean, there's plenty of flavor text that kind of makes you know kind of fun of the fact that the guardians know. I mean, the cabal report. Well, yeah, yeah. Bring that up. I mean, yeah. they, 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 guardians. The guardians. If they're breaking know. the fourth wall. That's it. I guess, nah, I guess mainly Osiris what I was trying to say was, no. well, no, I, what I was well, really trying yeah, to say was, because of the grueling strikes. And this right. is the most strategic use of that that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, in in regards to a particular person, but we have seen reports of Guardians using the ability to resurrect to win battle. I mean, remember well, the I entire... Mean, we have that Cabal card. Well, there's that. Cabal that. Card. They're like, why the hell do they keep coming back? Where are these dead persons? Why are they dancing? Right. Why are they doing flips on their vehicles? And we Bastards. also we also Kill know them. that Sorry. was why Petra got in so much trouble is because the whole you know remember the Awoken didn't understand the Guardian tactics. They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's impossible. That would be walking into a wave of bullets. They surely wouldn't. What? What are they doing? What are they? Oh no. And then they, you know, they did the bombing run, run, and they killed the three fire teams. That whole thing was because the Awoken couldn't conceive of the Guardian tactics. So, I mean, this is—we know that this is a tactic. Now, I would agree that this might be the first. This would be among the first time that maybe they used it in a full-out war, because Rezel was, like- you know. In a strategic manner. Right. This would this might this might actually be the instance that gave them the idea to do this strategy. Yeah, it is very early on. But Um, I mean I was I mean that is to say I I mean we have other instances in which they do something similar to this. It's kinda like he's on a patrol, it feels like to me at this point. He's like, You guys go play over there on that side and I'm gonna go down here and smash this Kel and you know, I'll pop a three coin first and see if maybe I can get an exotic ghost. You're going to res me when I need you to after I build my super. Because he gets a few kills in. He gets quite a few kills in before he dies. Right. And, and then he reses and just Titan smashes the kill. Which, did they, did they say what house that was? Uh, the Devil's Winter. Kill. A lot of people. That I was House Winter's Kill. I think a lot of people were arguing that that is a House Winter. Which would explain, yeah, Hurt has that in chat right now. But, it was like the but potentially we don't have to explain. The only, the only real hard and fast designation is it's a catch with unfamiliar markings. So, yeah, I'm trying to remember. There were, I think it was, I think it was Ryan did a analysis of how we figured out that it was winter. And it was basically based off the geographical location and then the knowledge of a couple of the other winter uh, well, attacks. With but, unfamiliar markings, 
why is House of Exile not a thought here? Because House Exile didn't exist at this point. How do you know that? Well, House Exile wouldn't have a catch to begin with. And yeah, that's a good point. Hey, they brought a catch in on the moon. Mm, I think that was Tannix. That wasn't. No, 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 they had a no, catch. Bring them in you, when they go to. Drop you're thinking ship of a when you do the first mission. No, you're thinking of a skiff. Yeah, that yeah was no, I mean, a catch is, yeah, the catch is like it, the. The catch is the bigger one that deploys the skiff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and know. so, I'm like. I'm wrong here, right? Shocker. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be the wolves, really, because the wolves was. Well, the timeline's kind of screwed. Well, there. They're still well, stuck we in the, the reef. Well, they wolves didn't make it to Earth. Well, no, yeah. they wouldn't even be traveling to Earth at this point because this was well before the city really yes. kind of existed. So they were way out past Jupiter. They didn't really care about Earth. And it's not kings or devils because they would both they would recognize those logos. Yeah, they um, definitely recognize devils. Well, yeah, I mean, you would de- you definitely recognize devils and kings. It would I would imagine that they probably know. And then, I mean, the only other the only other possibility is scar right rain's yeah. gone stone this could pretty much gone that that would be amazing if this was the end of house scar i mean yeah I but the scar other was one of those that got destroyed in the uh scar was one of the ones that destroyed the yeah they just dis- i think it was scar kid- destroyed rain i think i remember i can't remember which one ate which but the the argument too here is if this is House Winter, that would explain how Draxus became Kel and took charge. Oh yeah. So I mean, there and so ultimately, I think I want to say it was Ryan RGTGD. Um, he had a post on Reddit that made the argument that it was, or maybe it might have been hurt. I it was a Reddit post. Um. So. But yeah, yeah, he, and the other funny thing is, is like he already killed the Kel before he did the Fist of Panic. <laughs> yeah, and he still did, did, you, did it you on guys, his chest. You know, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna insult you on top of this. Yeah. Not only are you dead, it I'm gonna kill all your like people. He had shockwave rather than uh, aftermath. You <laughs> yeah, know, just, like it, I'm just gonna get as much of a radius as I can. He also changed his primary, which was interesting. <laughs> if anyone didn't notice that, I was that's really bugging me. Actually, I have an assault rifle now. I have a hand cannon. Surprise! I was like, dude, I want. So even in lore, so even in lore, they use the Ishtar Commander hand cannons. Even in lore, they use the Ishtar Commander. Um, is anyone else? Am I just gonna have to talk about the elephant in the room? The fact that. Uh, Rezel is using a a Suros patented perk on his auto rifle, and it's it's a very familiar one. You might be familiar. Oh, I with. know. It's, it's called like Focus the Fire. best. It's the best perk ever. So, does this does this is just is this just a bit of sloppy writing, or does no, this nail that, down nail down the fact that I, we did have a Suros a fledgling foundry. Suros foundry in these these kind of formative days of the city i would be surprised i mean we know that what is it tex mechanica uh-huh. was around 
at this point because making they, crappy they, guns. They, they made guns that survived. That was the entire point. Was <laughs> the the guns that they designed were um, meant to be, able to be easily repaired. Yeah. We have Jaron Ward with last word, and that's mm-hmm. before. Well, the city was around by then, but not everybody was there. That wasn't the last city, you know. So, and I mean, look around right now. Like I know here in Florida, one of the main places that actually manufactures guns is called Keltec. Um, and there, there's a lot of gun manufacturers around. So, yeah, why wouldn't they be around early on? And just I, uh, it wouldn't surprise me that I mean, especially since that's one of the major manufacturers in the game at the point that we come in. You know, yeah, Suros. They man. Would, I mean, they're. They're like the Walmart of guns. So yeah. Well, so, I would say uh, Tex Mechanica. Let's not say was Walmart, bad, but <laughs> let's not say Walmart. No, I was thinking Tex Mechanica is Target. Suros is Walmart. <laughs> I, I, if we're talking Walmart, I'm thinking Cassoids, Walmart. Suros is at least is at least. I don't know. Target. <laughs> Target. Oh, no, because you have absolutely <laughs> awesome Suros weapons. Like, you know, great buys if you have the package from from the gunsmith from Banshee. And that poor b- Anyway. Um, and then you, you have just really just crap rolls that all the vendors try to sell you all around the place. So, well, but I mean, so talking about the foundries. Let's talk a little bit about the City Age real quick. Right. Nice. Um, yeah, actually, the City Age, I have the Grimoire, call, the Grimoire card all all staged up, ready to go. When did the City Age begin? Perhaps when the bulk of the world's survivors lived beneath the Traveler rather than in the wilderness. Or when the Titans raised the first wall. Or at six fronts, when the city first faced coordinated, overwhelming attack and repelled it decisively. The city did not rise without struggle. Warlords and wilderness and wilderness fiefdoms clung to power. Starvation, disease, and anarchy menaced. But the guardians held the frontier, and the children of the Golden Age kept the fire burning long, through the long climb back. Legends walk through the history. The Iron Lords, St. Fourteen's Crusade Against the Fallen, the Mask of the Speaker, the Great Ahamkara Hunt, Tolan's Madness, Terrible Faction Wars, and the the horrifying, disastrous effort to retake the moon. As the city learned to walk again, it found a world overrun by alien menace. It faced disaster and defeat. Even in recent years, as Guardians begin to venture back into the moon and the inner planets, the city's territory has withdrawn. Other sections abandoned and converted into fortifications in the wake of the Battle of Twilight Gap. But the city's shipwrights and foundries hum with energy. The probability kilns and work work cooperatives produce new wonders. The darkness is rising again, but so is the light. I will say it again. I want to know what a probability kiln is. I already told you what it is, but <laughs> it forges weapons with random perks. 
No, it's a cat with a jelly piece of toast on its back. <laughs> oh, damn it all. <laughs> it's so great. This explanation <laughs> makes so much sense. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, What's gonna be great Lord. is when we when we finally get to one, and that's what it is. There's just a cat exactly spinning, just a in the spinning middle. cat, <laughs> just spinning cat with a piece of jelly toast on its back. So, no, that that is I, honestly we we kind of uh, we we criticize the grimoire a little bit in places for being vague and scattered and and all the other things. There's there's a lot so of much information, information packed into one card here. And it's almost in summary style. If we had 13 or 14 of these, I think that we would really have a picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But we have one. <laughs> we got one. So no, this I is mean, our ones. So rejoice. Right. And it does give us a basic timeline. Like I know um, – what was it? I think there's a rough estimate of – so the events, the start of the Golden Age is supposedly takes place about 700 years in the future from today, Right. Um, I think that's the fact or the statement from Bungie. It's roughly 700 years. And then the golden age, you know, depending on who you talk to, it lasts three to maybe 500 years. And then you had the collapse. <clears throat> then you had the the risen come into existence. The city age kind of, you know, come in shortly after that when this, you know, the city walls, I think is kind of everyone kind of agrees that the city age quote began around the construction of the walls you know like yeah it was like hey let's build a city so the city well, age began kind of the difference between the city and the shanty town under the traveler that was right well yeah i mean because the shanty town that probably existed before the walls was something that could uh be taken you know Taking it's a refugee camp. And, well, it was it was more about survival. The fallen yeah. were attacking. They were trying to get the great machine, and the people were like running away. I mean, it's it was basically Battlestar Galactica without the hyperspace jumps. And it's it's literally herd mentality. People will right. group up. Right, um, right, right. And then you have the risen who you know group around those groups and kind of take them towards the traveler, and they start building the walls, and that's when the city age starts. And then you have the faction wars, which, you know, fun times there. And that then enters into, you know, the Guardians becoming the Guardians was at the end of the faction wars kind of or probably right before the end. They kind of, you know, got rezzled to do that. And so that's where we are now is the Guardians came about probably close to or like halfway to near the end of the faction war period. Up until that point, they were the Risen, really. And that was probably because the Fallen entered the picture. Again, I still, I'm pretty sure that it was mostly the Fallen attacking that kind of was the catalyst for people to be like, oh, we should stop picking on each other. There there always has to be a them for there to be an us. Right. And it's um, really easy when they have four arms and want to eat you. And they make weird noises and say awkward things at dinner parties. Um, <laughs> so so. I, now now everyone in chat, just let me know if I missed something. But I think that kind of concludes the pertinent grimoire for the Rise of the Guardians being a specifically 
rise of the Guardians focus thing. I mean, we could talk about notable Guardians, but I don't think that's yeah. I mean, like we know we know of groups like the Six Coyotes, you know, the First well, Hunters, and then and, and we will get into that in just a sec when we do some armor and wanna, some items. Dig into some of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the Takanomi Rangers were a kind of a legendary little group. Um, I like to think of them kind of the the little Robin Hood and the Merry Men running around the forest taking care of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you read the helmet, it's a hunter head, um, Takanomi Ranger 1.0. The flavor text says, eventually the Guardians took over for the Rangers. Now some say Ian Takanomi was a myth all along. That's a quote from Chioko Mei, who is another ranger, presumably. Um, so that that quote to me just kind of kind of emphasizes that they probably weren't guardians. Um, right, and the cloak confirms that. And uh, there's another one: the the chest Takanomi Ranger one point one says, uh, armed with sniper rifles, Takanomi's rangers gave cover to the countless city-bound refugees. Um, so, yeah, they they kind of – they were shepherding the, the exodus from the wilderness to the uh, – to the city. traveler. Yeah. yeah, to the city, as it were. And then there is Ayan Takanomi's cloak. It was presumably actually her cloak. Um it says she was no guardian, but the city still remembers how she and her rangers secured the refugee roads. It actually the the whole Takanomi Ranger thing kind of um, highlights the whole the whole argument of whether or not you can be a hunter and not be a guardian. Yeah, it um, well, and it goes back to the idea that it's a psychological approach. Yeah. She, I think she's every bit as much of a hunter as any of the six coyotes, but that's just me. I mean, she now, has a very is she a guardian? Of being a hunter, kind no. of. She's not equipped with the same tools as a guardian. She's not on a level playing field, but she embodies what is a hunter. So right. she could be a renegade hunter. Bum, bum, bum. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe. It's out there. It's not like no, it's impossible or anything. I'm not saying there's anything to lean toward it other than the fact that they do specify that she's not a guardian. Right. But yeah. she has she has a hunter's cloak, snipers, hunter characteristics blah. Right. Like, and I was I gonna say, say the next the next item that we're gonna read actually makes me think that this might be a shin situation. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there. So, Blue, did you? Are we moving from the Takanomi Rangers to the other? No, no, no. I was going to say the boots. If you read the boots. Oh, did I miss the boots? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, let me see. They're all just numbered, all willy nilly. Yeah. So, like the the Takanomi, I'll just get it real quick. Yeah, the Takanomi ahead. Ranger 1.0 leg armor is another quote from Chioko May. And it says you couldn't get far on one life alone, not in these, not in those days. And I was like, that's what I was saying is like, so she's not a guardian, but we know of another individual that was technically made a guardian or gave guardian like powers without necessarily dying. 
Yeah. And then you have the the arm well, that says I in mean, the Dark Age, before the safety of the city, before the rise of the tower, there were only the rangers. With Shin, even Dredgen had to recognize the fact that he had something special about him. You know, so even though he wasn't a lich like most of us are, well, all of us are, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's gotten a hidden beginning where they start out as a normal person and grow into a guardian yet, but he, he these still, it's very obvious that the last card, he's using a golden gun. Right, right. To, well, to and, you know, in the defense Dredgen. of that whole conversation, we also don't know what transpired between the death of Ward and that card. I brought it up. I just feel like if, unless Bungie's really trying to hide it, I I, I yeah, do see it I mean, as a possibility, but I don't see Shin dying in between meeting Jaren and coming back as a guardian. I just I don't see it as that. Right. That no, high I mean, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. Like the the whole thing. I want to say I even brought it up in chat just to bring it up. Like, hey, well, there is a chance. Uh, <laughs> when it, when it comes down to it, the likelihood's just not really there. Right. So, but I mean, so that's that's the Rangers, and then we then we can kind of talk about the six coyotes, which I'm actually hoping that we actually get these arm. This armor that has At some been point, in right? the freaking database the entire time, but no one has. And that is the Shinobu's Vow. And this is a excerpt from the Tale of the Six Coyotes. Um, it's a quote says, No supplies, armor and tatters, but the refugees had asked for help, and she had given her word. And the individual that they are talking about is Shinob- Shinobu. And I'm trying to find, I think that's actually one of the only references to her. Now we know from a couple class items that the legend of six coyotes is the one that, you know, leaps to mind. And it says a cloak fashioned after the legendary hunters who first scouted beyond the Cosmodrome wall. And so these were, these were literally, this is, you know, one of the first fire teams of hunters that actually went beyond the wall. And that's where, you know, there's a quote from Cade that talks about some hunters form teams like the six coyotes. Others go it alone. Like, well, yours truly back in the day. That's the beauty of being a hunter. You get to forge your own path. And so this was one of the first, not only was it one of the first fire teams, it was the first hunters that actually scouted out the Cosmodrome. And um, that's confirmed with the uh, hunter artifact coyotes luck and it says it's a relic of the legendary six coyotes the first hunters to scout the cosmodrome so you know the hunt the the hunters were kind of the the scouts that's always been the way that they've been described and so now we actually see confirmation here that you are starting to get a division of duties within you know, within the um, the guardian ranks or the newly formed guardian ranks. 
Yeah, and actually, is the six coyotes? Is that the only the only instance we have of a set of hunters forming an organized group? Um, I know. Other than arguably the Takanomi Rangers, but right, but the Rangers weren't guardians. They were yeah, just, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, there's there's references to like you know the vigil of Saint Fourteen. Um. Then no, because Tiet was a Tiet was a fire team, but that wasn't hunters because Tiet was a warlock. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that might. I think it might be. And it just it seems you know very very specific to me that they were the six coyotes, and I'm starting to think that that might be where we get our fire team of six from. Well, yeah, I think that you know. I would agree with that. But we can it's actually also move. Interesting because if they're going on patrol, they're breaking the rules. <laughs> well, you can make it happen. You just got to yeah, do no, like pat- patrol Venus, but do the vault of glass. You can't it's patrol okay. the Cosmodrome with six people, though. That's not allowed. It's it's kind of tough. <laughs> but um, I know Willie will love this. We can move from the first group of hunters to the first well, not the first, but one of the early, early groups of Titans. The Pilgrim Guard. Yep, they are. I think, I think one of his favorite Titans was the Pilgrim Guard, Vel Tarlow. Our man Vel. Um, so they have a, uh, a Titan mark, um, which I call the Pocahontas mark, but... Um, <laughs> It is the mark of the Pilgrim Guard, and it says that the legend holds that Titans stood in defense of the first pilgrims to gather below the Traveler. And I love that they call them pilgrims because it just so much of a religious connotation there, but mm-hmm. um, that they're making a pilgrimage to the the mecca. to the yeah to the mecca that is the ping pong ball. <laughs> um. I would. I, yeah, but, I thought you were going to make the connection to Pocahontas and the Pilgrims. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> wow, I went off. <laughs> I kind of veered out there. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but well, and actually, but, the Pilgrim Guard was the first Titan Order. Okay, so confirmed that is yeah. actually the the uh, first Titan from Order from the Mark of the Gatekeepers. We know that. Okay, so then there's there's actually a uh, there's a line of Titan armor, and it's blue. It's mm-hmm. called the Zhurong type, and from the arms, uh, it kind of lays out one of the Pilgrim Guard tenets. It says, "Your your first duty is to the people of the city." Um, then the legs Zhurong type zero says, "To those behind the wall, love and service." To those outside it, fury and fire. And this was the Pilgrim Guard's maxim. And that is amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> fire. Just fire. And then there's actually another mark mm-hmm. that uh, that mentions the Pilgrim Guard. It's the mark of the gatekeepers. Yeah. And the Pilgrim Guard was the first Titan order. There you go. Formed to protect refugees entering the fledgling last city. And then there are oh, a couple man, of the Pilgrim Guard. So 
What's that? Of course they came. I was just saying they are the pilgrim guard. So, I mean, pilgrims, of course, they were one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Um, but uh, landed on them. That yeah. happened. Boom. I love you, Justin. And that's why. <laughs> there are there are two Veltarlo specific um, pieces of armor that came out in Taken King that are called Dusk Renders. And uh, as part of the Pilgrim Guard, Tarlo guided many refugees to safety behind the city's walls, where the legs and then the arms, Vel Tarlo was still the new guardian when he joined the Titan Order of the Pilgrim Guard. So that tells you Vel Tarlo, the Pilgrim Guard was was around before him. Um, he was newly risen when he joined the ranks. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, as a, as an outstanding order, that is, you know, like what Willie was saying, it makes sense that it would be the first order that, you know, the walls weren't really built at that point. So they were being built, but it was more important to, which makes you wonder why ghosts are called ghosts. Just saying not to derail, (laughs) but so I think, I'm just saying, if we could talk about that for a second, like everything else, and then Destiny has a pretty fairly straightforward meaning. But here we have the ghosts. They're obviously not dead people, like uh, like the Centurions think, or or the whole cabal. What what are they? They're an empire. That's right. Like the Romans' background. Yeah, but. But they that's what the cabal actually call our ghosts or dead persons, we learn in a the card. They're obviously not dead persons. So well, they're calling us dead persons. Yeah, they No, they call No, the they ghosts. call they us call... the dead persons. Oh. They call the yeah, they call the ghosts the dead persons the and they call death, us the hidden dead um, person. And it drives them crazy that they can't destroy them because they know that or at least they're figuring out that's why we're coming back over and over again. And dancing and so, doing spare tricks. So there was kind of one – there was one item. It's a weapon that I put on here. It was kind of a reach, and I want to see if Blue picks up where I'm going with this. It's the Fabian strategy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I already have a connection for you. Okay, what are you good. doing right now, Justin? You don't know what you just did. So, what did I do? I know Blue's – so, no, go ahead. Go so ahead. You, you, were, you were talking. You were talking about Rezel and his strategy of using the resurrection as a tactic. Um, the Fabian strategy basically is that the flavor text says: wait for enemy to make a mistake, die, stand by for ghost resurrection, repeat as necessary. Some of us call this the Justin strategy. Um, it, it works, but it, it does. Strat. It works, and the thing is, is that this is you know we've we've talked about this. Um, it's a military. So the Fabian strategy is actually a real military strategy. It's, uh, basically you wear down your opponent through a war of attrition. So you just, you just wear them down. Um, the, the funny there's, there's so many historical aspects of the Fabian strategy that we talked about, I think in the 
Titan episode. Um, so I'm going to try not to get too far into it, but basically it just, you just, you avoid battles of decisive nature and you just harass your enemy through skirmishes to just wear them down until they make a mistake. And then you sweep in and wipe them out. Um, in real life, this is usually by disrupting supply, uh, supply caravans and you know this was also very very big in the middle medieval eras and then also the roman times which is actually where the name comes from uh it was hang on i believe plutarch fabius maximus uh, quintus fabius maximus vericasus um he was actually yeah you were close you were close but well, he was no, he was known the- yeah, he, his big thing was he was um given the task of defeating the Carthaginian Hannibal which if you know anything about the historical figure of Hannibal that was a really big job and um mostly because Hannibal just walked across the Alps in the middle of winter and then invaded Italy so that scared the crap out of the Italians and so Fabius was actually given the task of defeating him, and he did. He just did it in a really, quote, dishonorable fashion through the War of Attrition. He just basically was like, hey, you don't have supplies, so we'll just wait. Because eventually you're going to starve, and you're going to need to go get supplies. And he just blocked him from going around yeah. and getting supplies, which caused a lot of problem at home for Fabius because that was quote, not the honorable way to fight. He was expected to go into battle on the field Eh. and, you know, one battle beat him. Well, Hannibal had elephants, so that wasn't really going to work very well. Yeah. So, so that that's where the Fabian strategy kind of starts. And then, you know, as years go and centuries go by, that obviously gets more, I mean, you have, Fabian socialism, you have Fabian like economic. It's just it's crazy how many Fabian, but it's basically war of attrition. Um, but tying it back, that is exactly what Rezel was doing, was a Fabian strategy. And then he waited for his enemy to make a mistake, which was picking up his corpse and bragging about it. And then he shot him in the face. Literally. And then, you know, fist yeah, and and actually there is a, a full there's a full scale um, grimoire card for the Fabian yes, strategy, which is also hilarious. And, yeah, it's pretty good. And the where I got confused was Plutarch's actually the Greek historian who wrote right, about Fabius right. Maximus. So, well, Plutarch wrote about everybody, yeah, a bunch of stuff. So that's that's actually where I, I didn't no, just no, no, pull no, Plutarch no, yeah, out of yeah. my butt. No, Plutarch. Plutarch was the his, yeah he was the historian of the majority of Roman information that we have. Plutarch, that that is you know Plutarch's Republic and stuff like that. So yeah, that that the grimoire card for Fabian strategy is a really fun card. It's a I think it's the dialogue. Is that the one with Raoul trying to talk yes, to Banshee? Yes, he's trying. He's trying to encode it. <laughs> Banshee's just like I don't care. I don't really care about stuff. So. But yeah, so there's only uh, – there might have been other weapons I could have pulled into it, but the only other one that was super pertinent to the Rise of the Guardians is the actual gun from A Guardian Rises, which 
this isn't a very deep rabbit hole. Um, yeah, it's oh the Kvostov seven CO two, especially recently. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of interest in the Kvostov. I don't know why. You um, you want to know why? Why? Okay, so there is a giant giant theory that the Kvostov was actually a weapon that was brought out of time and placed specifically for our guardian to find. Oh, I know that. I just don't know why people are excited for a year two version of it. Because supposedly we're getting a legendary or an exotic version of it. I still don't understand why you'd be excited about because that. Because it has it a year three. It, because it, it, oh my gosh, it just it's a really cool weapon. It, it has, has a broken the stranger's rifle to no time to explain. Yeah, like after that, you're really gonna have to wow me, Kavostov. No, 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 no. It's more it's more for um it's more for the aesthetics of the gun. Uh oh, you just want to look like you're carrying a really crappy gun. Well, it's more about like you know because you know the scope is cracked. Broken. It's the only it's the only one with a broken scope. And then I know a lot of people really like the sound that it makes. Like it actually sounds like it's got weight to it. So unlike the Mida, which is the staple gun of death. Stapler. But okay. I, I, this no, no, no. It's, 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 it's merely because there's, it's just one of those, it's like the rarest gun. What I'm getting from this is it's a novelty. Yes, it okay. is. Okay. That, that actually, I understand. There that is, now. there like, is the giant conspiracy theory about the stranger and the, Kava- the no, and actually, uh, did Uni put that YouTube video out? He has not. I am reviewing it right now. <laughs> he needs I, to. I threw I threw that in chat earlier, actually. Yeah. Because I, he needs to. It's a really good one, and we will yeah. be trying to get it out very soon. Um so, but I know Mesa has Mesa and Bife talked about it on Guardian Radio a bit. Um a lot of people kind of are buying into the theory that it was actually placed specifically for our Guardian. Yeah, I'm kind of with that. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up. Um, there was a a warlock artifact called the Risen Ones, mm-hmm. um, and really, it's it's really brief. Um, it literally just says, "What rules us is our service to the greater welfare of the city," and it just kind of reiterates the the kind of you know, tenets of a guardian. So, I mean, it's not just a whole lot there. Um, but that's actually a new monarchy. Um, which is why class. I don't care for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love it. It's a new monarchy. And I said, tenets, it's kind of coming together, but, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's a crazy theory time. If anyone has, one. <gasps> I don't even want to start because I'll be well, talking for like an hour. Yours is such an underlying thing that it could actually be shoehorned into any podcast. I know. I, I will just continue like being like, oh, we can talk about this and not get to talk about it. Well, you spent too long talking about vampires. Yeah, well, vampires actually builds into it. So I've actually kind of already talked about it. But if you really... If, you know what? If people are really curious about the anima universum theory that we're running, uh, jump into chat. Jump into yeah. the Discord or the band chat because it has been taken, especially with next week's death and resurrection conversation. It has oh, been taken, yeah. like, I think all day today we've been talking about it. Um, 
and the, like the philosophical and differences. I, I want to point out that there is actually a pain theory of the week that can be tied into the rise of the guardians. Um, Do it. Which I guess this is our second pain theory of the week, technically. But anywho, um, one one of the main things about the rise of the guardians was Saint Fourteen's crusade against the fallen. Now we know that there is a card where it says, "You protect me, and I do nothing." I told him to sing, and he did. Obviously, this is where our Lord and Savior Payton has started. So that battle, which did we did we? I want to say that we confirmed that that was during Twilight Gap that this happened, or did we not confirm? For which it? one? For uh, the the Titan Mark for the um, and nothing the confirmed. I would say it's more six yes. fronts. Would you say that's more? Yeah, I'd go more six fronts. Either way, it's either after way, battle. Either yeah, way, well, because TLDR Twilight Gap. Is, yeah, because Twilight Gap that, wasn't really involving the city. Yeah, so TLDR I mean, it did, is, but it, it Payton was a huge part of the Guardians Rising confirmed. Because if he had not been there to sing to Saint Fourteen, who knows if Saint would have made it? Probably not. So thank you, Payton, for helping Saint through that hard time. Thank you, Payton, for helping us through these hard times. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've. I heard he's the one who made the whippet in the Nene. He know. might. He might have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually got one that pertains to. Um. A guardian, and I'll be really brief. Like we don't have to go into this ad nauseum, but um, I think there's a reason why the initial guardians were were resurrected dead, and that is if you want someone to be a selfless guardian, they have to have like zero ties, mm-hmm. zero familial ties, zero. You know, those are just interests that will kind of cloud that. Yeah, that greater at, duty. Look at Malfer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I'm getting at, and you're just right there, Blue. What I'm getting at is here, the idea that the the kind of arbitrary little idea that Shin cannot be a guardian because he's not deceased, so he needs to go like off himself so he can become a guardian, is silly because this man has had every single thing in his life ripped to him, ripped from him, his home. His family, like two or three times. His, I mean, so he has nothing left to impede him from being a model guardian. So that's just where I wanted to go with that. I think, I think that it's not a hard and fast rule that guardians must have been dead. I think that that is just a really good starting selection criteria. No, I could see that, and it makes sense, you know, especially when. You have all these theories out there about how much of our memories are ours and how much of them are fabricated by the ghosts. Yeah. You know, the ghosts would want to erase familial memories um, because you're not supposed to be thinking about your family that you used to have. They're not here anymore. Exactly. You're not supposed to be thinking about this or that. What you're thinking about is the war that you're supposed to win because you are a weapon, which we have discussed I believe yeah. in a in a past episode. I mean, you don't want RoboCop going to his ex wife's house and bothering her. Like you, you want him on the streets cleaning him up. So 
Yeah, just like just like Dragden and Ariana and oh. <laughs> Oh wait. Well, there's nothing to say that they won't form bonds once they're resurrected. No, I'm here's here's my here's my rebuttal to the whole the ghosts have wiped our minds. Um we know for a fact that the ghosts are searching out for the ancient dead, right? We know that from quite a few different grimoire cards. So the ancient so you know going there's there's a lot of conversations, and we'll get into this with the death and resurrection piece, I know. But there's a lot of people who make the theory that the reason why we don't remember the past lives is there's there's a couple different options here. Either, um, either you literally don't remember it because it's too traumatic um, psychologically. There is there is a lot of precedent for that. You know, you have dual personality, you know, disassociative identity disorder and stuff like that, um, that you actually block out very traumatic events. Um, the, the process of death is imaginably probably a very traumatic event. So you don't remember that process. Um, there's also the theory that it's literally not something that biologically is capable of being repaired because we are so far gone that those are neural pathways that are not able to be repaired fully. So we remember some of the instinctual natures of our personhood, you know, in the sense that we are able to make the decision to come back or not. And then we have instincts to pick up a gun and fire it without too much instruction from the ghost that just kind of drops that in our hands so, you know, we, we have the instincts of a human person or a, a self-aware entity, but we don't have the memories of our past lives. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different theories that doesn't necessitate that the ghosts are evil. Um, oh. Not that that's off the table, because it's just... No, no, no. If you start talking about mental manipulation, that opens a huge slippery slope. Because you know, oh, I just, I just deleted that memory. Okay, Blade Runner. We're going to be talking down. resurrection and all that next week, right? No, and, right, 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 right. And just That's real quick, we're going to be digging into that next week. Yeah, just real quick before we move on and and do shoutouts, I just wanted to say that Blue and I agree. He just doesn't realize it yet. I wasn't saying that they were manipulating our memories. I was saying we are ideal candidates because we had no memories. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I okay. agree. I agree with that. I uh, do okay. agree with that. Um, I think okay. that is – now, I also find it interesting that even though that be, may be the case, the Risen demonstrated a very distinct, different approach. Um, I would argue that the Risen actually were the exact opposite of selfless guardians – because they sided with people and they went to war for petty reasons. Oh yeah, because they're they're infants, right? Well, and that's, that's fair point. Fair point. But I mean, so well, I guess no. That's a good point. I guess we had hence to the grow into the, main, the role, and hence yeah. the creation of the mentors to mm-hmm. guide our development as super superhumans. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. So you know what they say. With great power comes great responsatrilitrance. <laughs> Sorry, that's nice. for man bag. Yeah, nice, nice avoiding the copyright infringement there, the guys. <laughs> so, um, so let's let's do some shout outs real quick. Um, 
just just real fast. We have not this weekend. We have we have something I want to talk about this weekend, but next weekend we have a giant the Dads of Destiny are doing a, their big breathe easy event and I will definitely be shouting this out next week as well. Um but that's going to be from July 1st to July 3rd. We're going to start at 9 p.m. on Friday and go to 9 p.m. on Sunday. It's going to be a 48-hour charity stream. And what we're trying to do is just raise awareness and raise some, you know, raise some funds to help out with the cystic fibrosis. And um, that's going to be we're going to be going to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and that is in memory of Josh Strobel, who is the squash PhD who uh, passed away last year from cystic fibrosis. Um, and there'll, there'll be more information coming out, um, on that event. I hope very soon we're actually organizing all the, all the schedules right now. Um, and then my other, my other reminder is this weekend, I'm going to probably, I'll talk about this in the outro. And I talked about this in the intro. We're actually going to have two polls running this weekend. One is going to be for next week's next week's chat topic for focused fire. And then we're also going to start doing a month long extra lore chat. Um, Overwatch. Sorry. You know, whatever, whatever you guys want us to do. And then what, so what that means is there's not going to be an extra lore episode for July or for June. No, wait, gosh, I'm, I'm a month behind. Yeah. I'm a month behind, man. I'm still catching up. So there's not going to be an extra lore episode for the first week of July, but we're going to start in july and go a month and talk about an extra game and then at the the first week of the next month would be august we'll have that poll or we'll have that episode on top of the normal schedule poll or episode yeah my words are starting to fail so those are my final comments for tonight's episode nice nice i don't think that was a shout out but nice no that's why i have it listed as final comments like oh (laughs) Excuse me. Read your show notes. See, I'm, oh, I wrote them. <laughs> um, so I will now move into my shout outs <laughs> and or final comments. I just like to big thank you to Bife yesterday for for dealing with us. And uh, uh, thank you for <clears throat> everyone for showing up two nights in a row um, in the live chat. Uh, it's quite a lot. And we, we've had fun doing it. So uh, I'm just – I'm glad people are enjoying themselves. And uh, yeah, so um, between that and just everyone in the lore band, um, y'all have a good week. Pretty simple one. Go, Willie. As always, shout out to DOD X1 Foxtrot. It's my clan. Only reason I play Destiny anymore. Um, cause I mean, I can just read the lore on the internet. So, uh, big shout out to blue and Justin, cause those guys are awesome. I don't know why I'm still here, but they keep me around. So I like it. Other than that, shout out for paying, pay and be with you, everybody in chat, everybody who downloads, he is good. Pray to pay and good things happen. And, um, I think that about, Oh, thanks to Bife for putting up with, Justin. That's about it. <laughs> Why does everyone assume I'm such a hardship? <laughs> because you are. <laughs>
<laughs> you made my head desk. That happened last night. Well, congratulations, sir. All right. Yes. Well, that's that's yeah. I get I get an in-game that achievement like for that. Don't I get an in-game? <laughs> that that actually is going on my year two moments of triumph. <laughs> no one else has done that. So, hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Also, please remember to keep an eye out for that extra poll that we'll be launching this weekend for the new format of our extra lore chat. Let us know which game you're wanting us to dive into for the month in addition to the regularly scheduled Destiny discussions. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we do have any variations like we did this week, we will always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at FocusFireChat. So, until next time... The lore band marches on.